Well, actually, I want to have Caitlin Faust come up and uh, pray before I preach. So, Caitlin, would you come up and just pray over me for the word? How many of us love this powerful young woman of God? I'm honored. Okay. Um, Father, I just thank you for Pastor Joshua and just the incredible man that you have created him to be. And I just pray that this word this morning would just be completely full of you. And I just pray that our hearts would be ready and open for whatever you have for us today, God. Amen. Well, I'm going to go with a handheld today. You know, one of the things that uh, I love about the testimony of Shannon, of course, is just seeing God's incredible power in our lives when we turn to him. And I think there's such all these beautiful aspects of your testimony that I love, Shannon. I love the fact that... um, Um, that Jeff was driving by on his way to work and there's somebody sitting by a billboard and God says, stop and talk to those two. It was, what was it, by uh, Dairy Mart? Pardon? Everyone's Mart. Well, there you go. That seems more prophetic, right? They were right at Everyone's Mart where we all end up. And, uh, and God says, stop and ask them if they need help. Do you need help? And so he stopped. And that began this journey. And what I love about this journey is this isn't just, you know, and then I prayed a prayer and then poof, you know, sunshine and roses and unicorns started falling from heaven. But rather it was like, okay, so what's the next step? And Shannon's been faithful to. (laughs) Was faithful to do each thing that God brought to her. And it was very challenging. And I think that we forget sometimes that this is the testimony of working with God. He begins something in us, and he continues it daily. And he takes us from strength to strength and glory to glory. And, you know, it is supernatural when the Lord speaks to each of us each day and says, hey, I want you to stop and ask this person if they need help. And you know what? That's the beginning of Shannon's testimony And some of us might say, well, well, you know, it would have been fine if Jeff had just driven by. But you know what? We don't know that. We know that God entrusted Shannon's life to Jeff that day because what their plan was was to just end it. And and that's not heavy-handed. That's beautiful. I'm losing my train of thought. But that's beautiful because God has actually entrusted this earth to us. And the things that we do, they have weight. And when God said that he's given us authority here, it's real authority. It was real authority that Satan stole in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. At that point, the the authority shifted because Adam and Eve really did have authority over the earth, and it became Satan's. He became the prince of the air. And then when Jesus came and died and rose again, he said, all authority has been given to me. And so the... All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we're engaging in. That's, our lives are not our own. And we've been given real and true authority in our sphere of influence. This city, this place, these cities, this region, this place where we set our feet, we have authority in this place. It's not our own authority. It's a delegated authority. It's Jesus Christ. He owns it. But he has said, I will not do anything without telling my friends about it. And in point of fact, he actually gave us the ability and the responsibility to see it happen.
She's a persistent one, that. Where was I? Authority (laughs) and responsibility. See, he's actually given us real responsibility on this earth. And God doesn't go around us. If he says, I've given you authority and responsibility in this area, you have it. Which means that if something's going to happen, it's going to be because you engaged and saw to it that it happened. Now, it's a delegated authority, so if we do something that's not in the spirit of what God would want, well, then who's our master at that point? Who are we then serving? You see, we don't have authority in of ourselves. We will either serve God or we will serve Satan. We will serve the purposes of heaven or we will serve the purposes of darkness. But the reality remains the only one who carries authority on this earth are the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God. Does that make sense? So today I want to talk to you because one of the, the, the how do I say this? Jesus, bless me, help me. Um, the key place of spiritual warfare is in the place of prayer. Let me say that again. The key place where the enemy will defeat you, if he is indeed able to defeat you, begins and ends in the place of prayer. If he can defeat you to where you do not pray, you are already defeated. If he can distract you to the point where you do not pray, you are already useless for for the kingdom of light. I mean, you're there. God loves you. He's really patient and wonderful. But you're not accomplishing anything for the kingdom anymore. This is a key piece for us because many of us, we we misunderstand this part. And, And there's a lot of beautiful sermons about prayer. Um, there's wonderful things on the principles of prayer. I love that stuff. I, I have nothing negative to say. I have no criticisms whatsoever. But the key thing that we have to remember is that prayer is our connection. It's our conversation. It's our dependence. It's our complete, absolute, total life from God. It's where everything starts. It's where everything comes from. It's where we connect with the Father's heart. And if we are not able to engage with him in prayer, everything else begins to shut down. I love this quote. This is Oswald Chambers. He says, only when a man flounders beyond any grip of himself and cannot understand things does he really pray. Prayer is not part of the natural life. And by natural, I mean ordinary, sensible, healthy, worldly-minded life. Some say that a man will suffer in his life if he does not pray. I question it. Prayer is an interruption of personal ambition. And no person who is busy has time to pray. What will suffer is the life of God in him, which is nourished not by food, but by prayer. You see, Jesus came that we would have life and life abundantly. And it says that we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. In point of fact, it says that Christ is being formed in us. And so if our prayer life is missing, if we're not able to contact God, if we're not able to speak with him and converse with him, then in point of fact, we we will have a life that continues. It'll just be a life other than the life of the Son of God. There will be busyness. There will be things that we do, some of them even virtuous. But nonetheless, the life of God in us will suffer. Us emerging as sons and daughters of God, that will suffer if we do not pray. And so the enemy knows this. He knows that our connection to God happens in those places. He knows that we must go to God. Let me give you an example here. Of course, the perfect example is Christ himself. Jesus never aspired to become self-sufficient. For for many of us, I think that um, for whatever reason, we sort of end up with this idea of like, I need to achieve um, righteousness. I need to achieve spirituality. I need to achieve uh, being a good follower of God. And we sort of see it as this like place to get to. It's like it's a destination. And so we'll learn these principles. We learn these these ways to do things, and we'll think, oh, good, I finally, I've got my technique down. 
so that my prayers will be effective and that when I pray, good things will happen because I want his kingdom to come. I want his will to be done. And so I'm going to learn these techniques and then I'll finally be able to just know what to do in every situation. And I want to tell you some, actually, it's really, really good news when you think about it. Here's the really, really good news. You will never be self-sufficient. You will never know what to pray in every situation. God has no intention of, of you ever coming to the point where you're independent of him. Jesus isn't independent of him. The Father is not independent of the Son. The Holy Spirit is not independent of the Father. You see, they're interdependent. Everything about God is covenant and relationship and connection and communication. And Jesus, when he was here, he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what I hear my Father saying. In fact, in, uh, in John, it says here, John 12, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Jesus came and his constant message to everyone was, I'm talking to my Father. I'm connected with my Father. I'm a son. I'm the firstborn of many. And he's constantly demonstrating to us what it looks like to live a life that is fully and completely dependent upon connection with the Father through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we see in Jesus' life is a demonstration of what happens when a son or a daughter connects with the heart of the Father through relationship, through conversation, and connection through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, if you're hearing something from me, you're hearing something from my Father. If I'm speaking something on earth, it's because it's something that I heard from the heart of my Father that he wants released on this earth. Jesus was the ultimate example of what God wants us to do here on the earth. And all authority has been given to Jesus, and he's gone back to the Father now, and he says, but wait, I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and then I want you to make disciples of all nations. So then how then must we do that? How could we possibly do that? We do it through complete and total dependence and intimacy with the Father through the person of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus did. When I first met Karen... All that I could do was just tell her all of the amazing things about her that I could see, that I could hear. Karen, you are so beautiful. Karen, you're so funny. You are so wise. You're so smart. Karen, you blow my mind. And I would speak to her these words. And you know what she would do when I would say that? She would smile. Her friends, she talked about me so much when she was first dating me. That's right, she did. And uh, her friend, she was driving her friends nuts. Because there's nothing worse when you're not dating, when your friend is. And they're like, oh, la, la, la. And you're like, shut up, we don't care. And, um, and so she was talking about me so much that her friends took her hand and they wrote Joshua Nito on her hand. Because she's like, oh, he's so neat. She kept saying I was neat. She didn't want to admit she loved me yet, so she said he's neat. And it, and, but she talked about me so much that it bothered her friends enough that they wrote Josh Onido on her hand. And then she was with me later that day, and I was like, what is this? She's like, oh, I'm driving my friends crazy because all I can talk about is you, how much I love you. And, well, you weren't, you weren't admitting you loved me yet, but how, how much I like you. And I keep saying, oh, but he's so neat. He's so neat. And so it irritated him enough that they wrote it there. It was a great moment, and I'm glad you guys got to share that with us now. And uh, so we've been married now, what, 18 years? 18 years, almost two decades. I love it. If you knew what I put Karen through, you would you'd clap a lot louder. But um, <laughs> at any rate, um, about, I don't know, after we, after we were dating quite some time, we got married two years later. And then after we got married, I just, I was, I was like, man... That was good. I'm glad I said all those things. And, uh, 
and I'm glad that she decided to marry me. We're in a good relationship, and we're one flesh now. That's awesome. So I just stopped telling her that she's beautiful, you know, because I'm like, she knows it. And, and I, I didn't need to tell her she was smart anymore because I'm like, well, she picked me, so that's obvious. <laughs> and uh, so after a while, she just started kind of, I don't know, she just seemed a little bit distant. And so then about 10 years into it, you know, it had been about eight years since I'd said anything lovey. And, uh, and she's like, what is the deal? I mean, you used to gush on me. I mean, you used to talk to me and you wanted to spend time with me. And now you just work all the time and you're gone and then you come home and you know, you don't mind connecting for a little bit, but overall, you know, what's, what's going on here? And, and I told her, I said, hey, look, you know, I, I told her what any wise man would say. I said, look, when I dated you, I told you all the things I liked about you to let you know that I knew what I was getting in this transaction, and I appreciated it, and I told you I loved you when we got married, and I'll let you know if it changes. <laughs> and for some reason, unbeknownst to me, that was not enough for her. And I was just kind of floored. I thought, well, that's sort of selfish, isn't it? I mean, it's just is it kind of all about you. And uh, <laughs> which is the secret to a happy marriage. I'm just kidding. No, um, I said, I said, well, I, I, don't, I really don't understand. I mean, I did say those things, and they're still true. So I don't know why I, I need to keep bringing it up. And uh, anyway, she let me know that what's really important in this relationship is that I spend time with her and talk with her. And uh, it's amazing how if I spend time talking with my wife and I schedule time to do that and we connect and I tell her the things that I appreciate about her and I, and I hear from her in her heart, it's amazing how well my relationship with her works. It's amazing how that connection is there. It's amazing how she shapes the things that I think about, and, and it, it widens what I would otherwise think about. Just, just, basic, just based on the fact is that I get to speak and spend time with my wife several times a day, and I just hear her thoughts, and I share my thoughts with her. Well, it's the same thing with our relationship with God. You know, you don't pray a prayer, and then you know, let him know if anything changes. <laughs> Lord, come into my heart. I, I give you my life. I'd like a raise. Amen. But for, but for many of us, we've, we, we get pulled into the busyness of life. We get pulled into even spiritual things, busyness, uh, daily things, work, what have you. And pretty soon, our connection with the Lord, our conversation with the Lord becomes very utilitarian or non-existent. Quite honestly, Father, thank you for this food. Please bless it and nourish it to my body. Amen. There's, there's a discipline of relationship. Don't we love that word discipline? But there is. There's a discipline of relationship. I've found that if I connect with my wife, my wife daily, if I speak with her daily and I hear what's on her heart, my relationship absolutely thrives. My home is filled with peace. But I've found that I have to be intentional and consistent and strategic in order to accomplish that because it does not just happen. I make it happen. The reason why I make it happen is because the dividends that that pays, they come in the form of connection and relationship and unity. I reap a relational benefit through my consistency and communication with my wife. The Bible says that marriage that mystery of a man and his wife speaks of Christ in the church. It says that that connection looks like the connection that we have with God. And yet many of us are living a life where we operate from a place that is, I think oftentimes we sort of speak of it as like, well, I, you know, I, I, he's with me always. You know, he's with me always, so I don't really need to worry about you know, that I'm kind of a natural kind of guy. I'll connect with him, you know, as I do. 
And it is true that you can do that, part of that. But how many of you have tried to just kind of, sort of, take your wife on a date consistently? It's like, oh, yeah, no, we're totally going to date consistently, as, you know, because that stuff will kind of happen. Maybe, maybe until you have kids, I don't know. The truth is you have to schedule it. The truth is, is that you're purposeful in, in guarding that relationship so that that relationship doesn't die. There's an intentionality. There's a discipline of connection that you, that you guard, that you sow into. And what that does is that absolutely keeps your relationship alive. Well, in the case of God and our connection with him, it's not like God dies if we don't communicate consistently with him, if we don't have a discipline of relationship. The truth is, is that we begin to die. We begin to forget who he is. We begin to slowly wither because we're cutting ourselves off from the author of life, the source of everything that we need. And as I said it, uh, in the beginning when I, be, when I started to speak, the thing that I want us to catch, I know that this is, well, I, I can't read your faces right now. This is so basic, I think we miss it. But oftentimes it's the most basic of things that we must guard or we end up reaping essentially spiritual death or at least a survival mode at very best. The attack of the enemy is to cause us to become apathetic in prayer, to become unintentional in our lifestyle to the point that we rarely pray. And if we do pray, many times it's a rote prayer that we're not even connected in. I have a joke with Karen. She'll tell me, I love you. And I'll look at her with a straight face and I'll say, and I also reciprocate that love to you, my dear. It's very romantic. And, I, and it's a joke because it's, it's ridiculous. I adore my wife. But imagine if that really was my response. And I also reciprocate that love to you, my dear. Amen. And I also reciprocate that love to you, my dear. Amen. Bless this food. Amen. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. What I'm trying to say is that we can end up diluting our lives. We can end up distracted. We can end up so many different things. But we can miss the very lifeblood of our relationship with God. Prayer is dependence and intimacy. And apart from him, we really can't do anything. We really can't. I want to share just a couple of thoughts here. I don't have a very long preach for you today. But I want to share a couple of thoughts today. The first one is simply this. The greatest place of spiritual warfare in your life is the place of prayer. If the enemy can, he will try to keep you from praying daily. He will try to keep you from, from setting aside a time where you actually meet with the Lord daily. This is very important. David said, early in the morning, my song will rise to thee. We must set aside a time where we begin with God, his word, and the unction of the Holy Spirit, and pray. For some of you, maybe you work swing shift whenever your day starts. But there has to be a connection with him. There has to be a connection with him. It has to begin with him. If the enemy can get you to break away from a daily connection that's intentional with God, you're almost completely defeated just right there. Fun preach so far, huh?
Luke 11, 1 through 13 says this. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I'm going to come back and I want to talk about those pieces for just a moment. But I want to continue on with this chapter. And he said to them, so he tells them, okay, Jesus, you're praying all the time. In fact, you just got done praying. We think it's amazing how you pray. Also, we don't mind seeing all the great fruit that comes from your life. And we're kind of thinking it must be connected to your prayers. All right, so they put that together. So they said, so can you teach us how to pray? So he gives them an outline for prayer. But then it continues in Luke. He says, which of you shall have a friend? And you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence, say persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Because of his persistence. How many of you noticed my daughter coming up here? Okay, that was just fun to do because that's what it's like to live with that young lady. She is so persistent. She is, we should have named her Perseverance if it was more beautiful of a name. We named her Autumn Grace for my sister, older Autumn, uh, my older sister Autumn. And then Grace, it turned out prophetically for us because we need lots of it. But that girl is amazing to me and she owns me. It blows my mind. I was actually feeling bad about it because I was like, oh my goodness, I am going to spoil this girl, which I kind of have. It's not even fair for poor Mercy because she's like, you got to be kidding me because, you know, Mercy was our first and we were like, we need to teach you the ways. And so, you know, it was like, you will salute, you know, and then Mercy Autumn comes along and she's like, hey, dad, you know, can I have some ice cream in my ham sandwich? I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Go for it. So it's just not even fair. So I was feeling bad. I was actually like, Lord, am I ruining my daughter Autumn? And, um, Because the truth is, she wears me down. She wears me down. I'm just going to admit this to all of you. And she's so cute when she does it. She's my girl. She looks so much like me. How can I say no to that? And so she'll come up and she'll be like, hey, Dad, um, you know, can we watch, I don't know, what are we watching these days? Samurai Jack. Can we watch Samurai Jack? I'm like, no, honey, I don't want to watch TV right now. Okay, maybe later then? Yeah, maybe later. So like five minutes later, hey, Dad, you want to watch Samurai Jack now? Like, oh, baby, I'm working on this other thing. Hey, Dad, what about now? Hey, Dad, how about now? Hey, Dad, how about this? I popped some popcorn. We're going to watch Samurai Jack now. And I'm like, you pop popcorn? She's like, yeah, so we can watch Samurai Jack. I'm like, but we were going to wait another half an hour. Yeah, but Dad already popped the popcorn. I'm like, I can't argue with that logic. So next thing you know, I'm sitting there watching Samurai Jack. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I don't even know that it's happening. But she just wears away at me with her love and her persistence. But truthfully, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it is true. I love that girl. I'm not going to lie to you. Isn't that great? I'm a pastor, and I just need to let you know this one time. I'm going to stop lying and just give it to you straight. Um, she says, she's, she's, she just keeps coming at me, you know? And she's such an amazing negotiator, you know? I love her negotiation. I just have to tell you, she's amazing. She comes in, like, every day, my daughter's a sugar fiend, just a ridiculous total. We need to get her in, like, a 12-step program. But she'll be like, uh, you know, it's like after breakfast, it's like 1030. It's like, okay, hey, it's time for a snack. So uh, can I have I want to have a little bit of sugar. Can I have some sugar? Like, you can't have any sugar. It's 1030. She's like, but dad already ate breakfast and I ate a really good breakfast. So here's what all I'm asking dad is for a candy bar, two cups of chocolate milk, some ice cream, a slice of cake and some fudge. And I'm like, no. She's like, okay, well, how about just a candy bar and and one chocolate milk? I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. What? It's 1030 in the morning. But she does me like that all the time, and she's amazing at it. Here's the point. That girl never gives up. She never gives up. And she knows that her daddy loves her. And she knows that if there's one thing that her daddy wants to do, it's to give her the desires of her heart. As long as they don't violate reason or Oregon state law. 
And so she just continues until I give her the desire of her heart. Jesus said, if you persist, he says, so I say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And I was thinking about, am I ruining my daughter? And I thought, what if that girl grew up believing? And by the way, Mercy's in on this too. She totally works on me. She did great. She, she made it through the the, the boot camp of Karen and Joshua with their first child. And anyway, <laughs> how many of you saw that commercial with the, it's like first kid and they're, they're like putting hand sanitizer on and she pulls out the big jug and is like, let me rub it on your neck. And then it says second kid and she's like at the shop and the mechanic's there and she's like, here, hold this baby. And she answers the phone. And it's like, anyway, that, all right, fine. That was for me. Thank you. That one was for me. Okay. So I say to you, ask Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. So I'm feeling bad about my daughters. Like, am I ruining them? Am I spoiling them? Am I giving them the impression that if they don't give up, and they keep asking their daddy, and they keep asking their daddy, and they keep asking their daddy, that he's going to break down and give them the desire of their heart? Will they be ruined? And then it sort of dawned on me, or will that be the best flipping thing I could ever teach them? I mean, in the right context, I think that might be the smartest thing I could ever teach my girls is that if they don't give up and they keep coming at me, Daddy, can I have a whatever? Daddy, can I have whatever? Daddy, can I have whatever? Daddy, can I have whatever? Yes, okay, fine, all right. You got me. You can have it. Because Jesus seems to be saying to us that in the context of asking for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in any situation, that if you don't give up, he's going to give you what you're asking for. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, this is an amazing turn. Jesus is so brilliant in his teaching. They say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He says, no problem. Let me teach you. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your Father is good, and he's holy, and he's righteous. Anything you're going to ask from him needs to be coming from a place of his character, of holiness, and mercy, and kindness, and righteousness, and love, okay? So we're starting there. Ask your Father in heaven. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anytime that you're going to pray, you're coming into a situation, you're, your child's up to no good, you're addicted to something, you just lost your job, your business is failing, you have a disease, you, your relationship is broken, you have ambitions, you don't know what to do. Whatever it is, you come to your holy father and you say, Father, you're holy. You're set apart. You're righteous. You're not, uh, you're not bowing to my desires. I'm bowing to yours. We're starting there. You're good. You're a good daddy. And I'm asking, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this situation. What is your will in this situation, Father? Give us this day our daily bread. I never work my way out of needing him to help me every single day. I'm talking to him every single day. I'm dependent on him every single day. I don't know what to pray until I talk to him every single day. And forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. That, that cuts out a whole bunch of prayers right there. Lord, rain down fire upon the other party politically. Lord, rain, you know what I mean? All those kinds of prayers, they just have to go away because he's like, I have to forgive them as you've forgiven me. It's like, oh, shoot, okay, well, there goes half my prayer time right there. Well, then, Lord, let your kingdom come. <laughs> let your will be done. Amen? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So he gives us an outline. But then it's interesting because then he turns around and he says this, therefore I tell you, any one of you, if a guest came from out of town and said, look, man, he's banging on your door, Brian, 
Brian, Brian, dude, I need some bread. I got a bunch of friends, and they showed up out of nowhere, and I need to put on a dinner, and the store's closed. Dude, wake up. And he's like, man, I've, first of all, got married, and I got a bunch of kids. I didn't tell you about that. But anyway, they're all in bed with me because it's family bed night. I don't want to explain. Anyway, all I'm saying is I ain't coming. And I say, Brian, I need bread. And he's like, fine. And so he comes out, and he gives me the bread, and he's not real happy about it. But he does it because he knows if he doesn't, I'm going to keep banging on his door. And then he goes on and he says this, so I ask, I, so I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find, knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. When I'm asking according to the will of God, when I'm asking according, and when I say will, I'm saying the heart of God. Did you see my girl coming up here? Dad, I don't care what you're doing right now. I need something from you. Dad, I know you're kind of busy, but I need something from you. Dad, the situation hasn't changed yet. I need something from you. Dad, Dad, do you remember the prayer I'm praying? I just want to remind you just in case you were wondering. Dad, and finally dad goes, you know what? No problem. Here you go. Here you go. And Jesus encourages this kind of behavior with him. He's like, come on, whittle me down. I love, I think it was Larry Randolph that said, Lord, this isn't a money about this, but I mean a preach about money, but he says, Lord, test me with wealth. And if I fail, test me again. I feel like the Lord's saying, look, look, I'm a good dad. I want you to come and I want you to ask according to my heart and my character and my desires that all nations would become disciples of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I've given you all authority to do that. And the way that happens is you keep asking. You keep asking and you keep asking and you keep asking. And you do it within the context of relationship, but you never give up. And you see, the enemy comes in and he tries to make it really intellectual and cute. And he says, well, the Lord doesn't like vain repetitions. And that's true. You're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get heard because you, you just keep saying the same thing over and over again in one sitting. I mean, it's a, she does not get what, let me just give you an example. There are those times when my amazing daughter is just terribly annoying. She just comes up, dad, can I, 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 dad, I'm like, go to your room. Like, that ain't working for me. You're not even trying right now. <laughs> you got to at least try. I think me and dad have that in common. The point is, it's not vain repetitions, but it is persistence. Father, I'm putting this before you today. Okay, Lord, what are we working on? I know you're working on that, so what are we working on? And you go. And then you come back and you say, Lord, I, I can't help but notice, but nothing's happened in the last four hours. So I just want to remind you that we need revival in our cities. We need families to be strengthened. We need foster care parents to come and take care of children because we have children that don't have homes to go into when their family breaks apart. That's a problem, Lord. It's a problem, and you haven't solved that problem yet, Lord. And I want to help, so show me how to help. But, God, I'm telling you, there's still a problem. We don't have enough foster care parents in our region. Father, I noticed that we still have that problem. I'm not mad at you, but you said to come. And so that's why I'm here, Dad. Can you give us 10,000 foster care families? We don't need that many, son. Okay, fine. How about 5,000? Whittling them down. I learned that from my daughter. Are you guys with me? Jesus is saying, I want you to be persistent. I want you to keep coming. Now, why does he say this? Because he knows what we're facing. He knows that every day there's a lot of variables, guys. There's an enemy that hates us. There's other people with free will. There's our own selves that sometimes trip and fall down in the mud and forget what we're doing. And in the midst of all that, he says, listen, I don't want you to lose the plot. I want you to get back up, and I want you to ask again. And I want you to keep asking until you get what you're asking for. And by the way, if you're asking the wrong thing, if you keep asking, I'll be so impressed and blessed by it, I'll help change your prayer so you can ask for something I can give you. Because I'm so proud of you for coming to me. You just keep coming. You just keep coming. Dad, can I drive the car? Dad, can I drive the car? Dad, can I drive the car? Not yet, baby. You are nine. 
the only way I'm going to be able to do that with your mother is probably you're going to have to be 12 minimum. And I'm going to take some heat, but we'll make it happen. Is this getting through? Now, here's the final piece, and this is beautiful. It almost seems like it doesn't make sense the way Jesus is laying this out because they say, how do we pray? And he goes, here's the outline. That's that's an outline that we can use in any situation when something's going on. Grab the Lord's Prayer. It's already written on your heart. And go through that outline. Holy Spirit, direct me right now. I just gave away the plot. He gives us the outline, and then he says, be persistent. Be persistent. God... (laughs) He's so good that even if he didn't even love you, he'd finally break down and give it to you. I know I'm messing with some people right now. They're like, wait a minute. Don't even talk like that. Okay. So then he continues and he says, so therefore, keep knocking, keep talking, keep asking. And then, he, and then it gets interesting because he says, if, if a father, any, anyone among you, were to ask, his son were to ask him for bread, which one of you would give him a stone? And if he asked for a fish, which one would give him a serpent? And if he asked for an egg, which one would give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That just seems like a weird place to go, doesn't it? It's like, how do we pray? He's like, here's an outline. Be persistent. Keep knocking. Keep asking. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. See, the answer is, how do I pray? Get the Holy Spirit. How do I pray? You need the Holy Spirit to do that. And the Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't contradict any of these things because we know the Holy Spirit comes and he reminds us of everything that Jesus said. And he doesn't speak on his own account, but only what he hears from the Father. So we are plugged into the Father just like Jesus, and we're able to pray according to the Father's heart because of the Holy Spirit. And if we lack it, we can just keep asking. And some of us are still in that point where we're like, Lord, I just need the Holy Spirit. And you're still like, how come I don't got that yet? What's going on with that, Lord? You know, when I, when I was a little kid, oh man, I'm out of time. Okay, when I was a little kid, my mom one time, I came home and I heard this strange sound coming from upstairs, and it was like, it wasn't all creepy like that. It was more like lovely, like, but more lovely than that. Anywho, and I was like, what is that sound? So I go upstairs, and there's my mom. She's in the corner, and she's like, you know, like a lot of people, when they speak in tongues, they have kind of like a few similar syllables, most. And so I'm just listening. I'm like five, six. And I'm listening. I'm like, what is that? So I said, Mom, what is that? And she said, well, that's, that's, uh, that's, I'm speaking in tongues. And I said, okay, what is that? And she goes, well, when you pray, the Holy Spirit will grant many of you, give you the ability to, to pray in a different tongue, be it the tongue of an angel or be another language spoken on earth. And, uh, and when we run out of the ability to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. And I thought, well, that just sounds cool. Can I do it? She said, sure, just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come, and then you'll be able to do the same thing. I said, all right, cool, I'm five. Mom knows everything, so Holy Spirit, would you just come and help me to speak in tongues? And so my mom starts praying again, you know, and and that was the part I could remember was the, and she was praying more syllables than that, but those are the ones I could pick up. I'm like, oh, so I picked up and I prayed for 12 years. For 12 years. That was the only thing that I prayed when, when people would, you know, let's just pray in the spirit. Oh, I know how to do that. Anyway, and, and that's what I did. And, and the enemy would just come in and be like, you are such an idiot. Like You just learned that from listening to your mama. By the way, if ever the devil comes with you're only doing that because you're listening to your mama, you can know right there it's the devil. Who else is going to tell you not to listen to your mama? That was for free. Anyway, so he would just come in and he would just attack me and he'd be like, you're just copying her. It doesn't even mean anything. But then I read in the word where it says he will give you utterances. He'll give you groanings that cannot be uttered when you know not that which you should pray. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for you 
with groanings that cannot be uttered. So I'm like, well, you know what? I have no idea whether means anything or not. For all I know, I'm j- I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I did hear my mama pray that when I was a kid. But I've been doing it for 12 years. And every time I do it, God moves in me. And when I run out of words to pray in English, and I start copying mama's didia didia in the name of Jesus, things change and shift. So I don't, I, I can't make myself speak a different language. And I'm not trying to impress anybody because I'm all by myself doing this. And I don't know what to pray anymore. So I'm just going to trust that when the word says that I'm going to make intercession for you because you don't know what to pray anymore, and I'm going to make myself like a child, because by the way, that's when I learned it, then I'm going to believe that God hears his spirit in me praying and my spirit agreeing with his spirit. Now, after 12 years, I did, actually, I did finally have an encounter and I, and I was just to this point where I just, I, I don't know, something shifted. I remember I was coming home from work, and I just felt like I got to get home, and I got to pray. And so I went in the room, and I, I was 17. Um, oh, shoot, I lied to you. It was 11 years because I was 16. Please forgive me. So I was 16. I go in the room, and I'm just in there, and I'm just like, my stu- you know, sometimes when you're praying and your stomach just gets tight, you're just like, what is going on? Paul said, I'm praying for you as though a woman in childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So it's scriptural. So I'm just like, and I'm in the room, and I'm like, and tears start coming, and I'm just like, Lord, whatever this is, you know, something good's happening. And I'm just, and I went into like five different dialects, I kid you not, and one of them was like straight up bush language, which I've never done before or after, but it was like, it was very cool. I was like, I wish somebody was recording this because it was amazing. I wanted to record it. They didn't have iPhones then, but that would have been amazing. Anyway, one time we were in here praying in tongues, and uh, um, Jessica was here. And as I was praying, she speaks a little Italian, and she speaks Spanish. And she goes, I didn't know you spoke Spanish and Italian. I said, I didn't know I spoke Spanish and Italian either. She goes, that's what you were praying in. Is that amazing? What's the point? The Holy Spirit knows what to pray, and we don't. We run out. But he brings us back and says, as you pray, my Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today what we need, Lord, what we need today. See, it's an everyday kind of prayer. And it's only under the unction of the Holy Spirit that we come to that place. We have to humble ourselves like a child. So let me summarize and we'll wrap this up. We, like Jesus, are not seeking principles of prayer so we can always know what to pray independently. I think oftentimes it's like, I want to learn the rules of prayer so then I don't have to think about it anymore. I can just get in and be like, Lord, I know what to do. No, just hold off, Jesus. I got this. I know what to pray. I took a class. Classes are good. I'm not knocking it. We've been preaching on prayer, obviously. We're not knocking learning about prayer. But we never do it, we never do it to become independent we're fully dependent. It's a relationship. I didn't tell Karen I love her one time so she'd marry me and I'd never have to say it again, right? We're seeking the Father's presence and his Holy Spirit so we are able to pray in each situation, his will be done. The Holy Spirit is in us and he's showing us how to pray. He's bringing things. And it doesn't always have to be in tongues. I pray almost, I pray a lot in tongues, but I pray more in English because I, I, I'm conversing with him. He's showing me, Joshua, release this. Joshua, think about it this way. I would have never thought about it that way. He's like, I know, that's what I'm telling you. We're to receive the Holy Spirit in order to pray. We don't know how we should pray. We don't know what to pray. That's why the disciples came and said, teach us how to pray. We need the unction of the Holy Spirit. And finally, we're encouraged to be persistent. You see, the hardest thing for us is that we grow up. Oh, grow up. Oh, grow up. You ever heard that? And you always notice when people are like, oh, grow up. It's because they feel like you're expecting something you shouldn't. You know what I mean? It's like, but I thought my parents were going to stay married. Oh, grow up. world's not like that. Grow up. But I thought that I was going to get a promotion. Oh, grow up. 
I thought the Lord was going to heal that person. Well, just grow up. Stuff like that doesn't, this isn't Hollywood. Grow up. I thought I, thought I was going to get healed and not always be addicted to this thing and have actual freedom. Oh, grow up. No one's free. I'm being Satan right now, just in case you're wondering who, who I was. But, but God says, I want you to stay like a child. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child. And what does a child say? Lord, would you heal my daddy? Lord, would you heal my daddy? Lord, would you heal my daddy? Lord, I noticed today my dad's not healed yet. You going to heal him today? Lord, would you heal my son? Would you heal my brother? Would you? Would you heal? Would you do that? Would you move? Would you open this person's eyes so they could see? Would you bless me in my business? Would you bless me in my relationship? Would you give me true freedom? Lord, show me the part of my heart that still loves this sin. Something's up. I know you said freedom, and I don't have it yet. Come talk to me. Do, do what you got to do, but I noticed, I noticed I'm not free here yet. Lord, I'm not free here yet. Hey, Lord, that thing about where you said freedom, I don't have it yet. Could, could I have that, please? Lord, could I? Could I? I'm not mad. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Lord. I'm just saying. Lord, I'm just saying. Do you hear me saying? And he's like, you know what? <laughs> I like you. I like you. All right. You can have two glasses of chocolate milk, four fudge bars, and a million dollars. Stand up. Let's pray. Lord, can I have a million dollars? Just threw that in there at the last moment there. It felt good. Thank you, Jesus. All right. What I would like to invite you to do is today, before you leave, I want to invite you to go uh, with your spouse or with your family, and I want you to go to the back, and I want you to take communion. And I want you to remember that the reason why we have access to the Father is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ shed his blood for us, so we have total boldness to come, just like I am, and say, Father, Father, hey, Father, Father, I'm totally here, and, I, and, I, and I'm righteous because of what you did. So I can just ask because you're my daddy. And I want you to go, and I want you to take communion and remember that's why you have access you don't have to be ashamed. In fact, if you have a sin problem, I want you to repent of it, and then I want you to say to Dad, hey, Dad, I, I, I was noticing I have a sin problem still. I got a bad habit, and I'm your kid, which means you're my daddy, which means it's your problem. So could you please help me with it? Because I hate it. Do you see that? But I can go boldly because of the blood of Jesus. I don't boldly sin. I go boldly to the throne. You guys are with me? All right, put your hands on your heart, if you, if you don't mind. Can, can we do a repeat after me kind of prayer? Is that okay? All right. Daddy, teach me to pray. Remind me I'm your kid. Can I ask you anything? Good. Amen. I love you guys. You're dismissed.